How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits. Every week, our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now, here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Brad, and this is going to be a fun episode of Bacon Wrap Business. I want to thank everybody who's been listening, giving me feedback, sharing the podcast with uh, you know, with your friends, with social media. It means a lot to me. Keep it up. Today, I am really privileged to bring a friend of mine on this show. His name's AJ Roberts. And AJ is a fitness hall of famer. He's the best-selling co-author of the book Change Agents. And he's a two-time world record holder. AJ is world-renowned in the strength and conditioning uh area as a as a coach and athlete he's a seminar leader and a serial entrepreneur and he's also the co-host of the world's most powerful podcast for fitness professionals called the fitpreneurs like entrepreneurs but fitpreneurs which you can and should subscribe on itunes immediately when you're finished listening to aj here at bacon ramp business now aj began his career as a strength and conditioning coach at the university of idaho from where he graduated with a degree in uh, a BS in sports science. And since then, he's gone on to gain vast knowledge and experience as a coach and athlete in powerlifting, CrossFit, and bodybuilding. Now, I told you he went to the University of Idaho, but you'll notice an accent. AJ is originally from England, lives over here in San Diego. He's a friend, a colleague, and an expert that you guys should really listen closely to because he is responsible for some of the biggest marketing launches, seminars, promotions that you may have seen in the past if you pay attention to the world of you know, information and online marketing, but you may not have known that this was the handiwork of AJ because he's kind of been the secret weapon behind a lot of the you know, biggest entrepreneurs out there making sure that uh, these visions became reality. I was fortunate to meet AJ uh, earlier in this year, and we've had a chance to talk quite a bit, and I've always been very impressed by the things that he shares. So without any further ado, I want to see if AJ is on the call. AJ, are you there, buddy? Hey, Brad. How's it going? Doing good. How are Excellent. you doing today? It's it's uh, Thanksgiving week. Getting ready mm-hmm. to... I know you're taking off on a trip to... Where are you going to Thailand next week or this week? Yeah, so Friday, so it's going to celebrate Thanksgiving here uh, with my girlfriend's family on Thursday. And then Friday, we're taking off to Thailand for uh, about seven days. So uh, looking forward to that and, you know, uh, experiencing the culture over there. I've heard great things, never been there myself. Um, but uh, everyone I know who has says it's an amazing place. So going from here, you know, beautiful San Diego to hopefully beautiful Thailand. I know. How long's the flight? I know you're just, you just booked it. I know it's a bear, <laughs> uh, but... So I opted for the shortest flight was 24 hours. Uh, if I had gone gone the cheapest route, it would have been about a 40-hour trip. So I uh, I invested um, in in keeping my time and uh, you know going that. But that's the shortest there. The shortest back was 17 hours. So uh, you're looking at a whole day travel plus with the time difference. You lose a day on the way there, but you gain it on the way back, which of course you know never makes makes up for it. But uh, right, yeah. Fun, now you go fun time. F- but you so you're flying from what San Diego or LA? 
from San Diego. There's uh, two stops, so I think, uh, from San Diego. I think we're going to L.A., then from L.A. to Hong Kong, and then from Hong Kong to Thailand. So um, there is other routes as well you can take, but, um, you know, you know what it's like trying to drive to LA. You take four hours just to get an hour. So oh yeah. Um, now were you yeah. able to were you able to score a business or first class seat or because you're not a little guy. I would I would hate to be sitting right next to you in uh, in, in coach. <laughs> no, <laughs> on a 24 hour flight. We we booked our tickets last minute, so um, the uh, availability was very low. Um, and so I'm just going to put the armrest up and snuggle <laughs> with my girlfriend. So there you um, go. Well, at least she'll be upgraded at the airport. Sometimes they have those, uh, upgrades there. Um, you know, but, uh, cause of the timing and stuff, um, it was, you know, look, you're close to 15, 20,000 right. uh, for that. Well, so, at least uh, you'll be next to your girlfriend <laughs> on the way and not some stranger for 24 hours who you have it, no idea who it is. Exactly. And, you know, we were talking before the show, like, uh, you know, I, I, I even though, you know, I try not to look at money as something we should hold on to at the same time. Um, you know, the difference between um, first class and, and coach for that kind of trip is phenomenal. And there's other things I'd rather invest the money in when I get to Thailand, having fun and doing fun stuff over there. So uh, keep a little bit of pocket change, you know. Oh, man, I'm with you. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've flown first class several times and it's amazing. But when you realize what else you could buy when you're uh... – <laughs> you know, when you when you pay that, I'm like, Jesus, this is like a 10-hour flight. And uh, it would have cost 10000 if I hadn't used, you know, ten, yeah. uh, used my miles. Anyway, <laughs> since we're talking about money and, um, you know, this bacon rant business all about these sizzling hot business ideas guaranteed to make you fat profits, I want to kind of dive into your story a little bit. And there's a few things I, I want to talk about. And to give the audience an idea, I usually don't plan out a lot of the podcasts as you – uh, if you've been a listener, you've probably heard it's very free flow, but there's a handful of things that I really want to talk uh, to you, AJ, about. One of them, um, well, first of all, let's get a little bit of, uh, of your history. I mean, I've heard your story on stage and, you know, just personally, and we could go, you know, your stories could, you know, we could sit around drinking beers or protein shakes for hours <laughs> listening to some of this stuff, but give me a kind of a quick history of, um, Kind of what what brought you to the U.S. and then your your athletic history, and the, a little bit about the world record, and then I want to dive into one of the things when I asked you what your superpower is at a at an event back in October, and you really kind of surprised me, and I think the the audience will really uh, appreciate that. And then after that, I kind of want to dive into the bacon wrap strategies, and you know, kind of bring it home with some stuff that people can walk away with, going, "Holy crap, I got to implement that in my business." Cool. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so give me that uh, – let's start off with a little bit of the backstory. So you're, you're from England originally and yeah, – Yeah, I grew up in England and um, I grew up uh, playing uh, the sport of basketball. I, had, I have cousins who live out here. They live in Kansas. And so when I was young, they came over and they were, were basketball players. And so for me, I thought it was cool. I started watching it on TV and, of course, at that time, Chicago Bulls were you know, the dominant force. So they were showing a lot of – you know, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, those guys. And, and I started playing basketball and I was fairly good at it. Um, and I excelled in it. And um, I ended up uh, getting onto the England team um, and practicing with the England team. And then I got cut from the England team um, because of uh, my height. They basically said, uh, when I asked, you know, cause they, we had a phone call to tell us that we were no gonna, not longer 
no longer going to continue on with a team. And I asked, well, you know, what I needed to work on so I could go away and work on it. Um, and, they said you know, grow. Come back. And they said, you, you need to grow. And I said, well, well, I can't work on that. And the guy goes, exactly. And I can't teach you that. So, um, you know, back then being bullheaded and kind of, you know, uh, young and naive, I said, I'm just going to go to the, go to America and I'll do it the hard way. I'll go and I'll play high school ball, get a scholarship to college and then try to make the, uh, NBA that way. And so I came over to America uh, on a foreign exchange, managed to play one year of sports, but I was ended up in a small town. So ended up being a three sport athlete and got into the sport of weightlifting and, um, not the sport. I got into weightlifting because, uh, our football coach was also the weights coach. He was also my math teacher. So, um, I ended up in the weight room a lot, really fell in love with it. And I grew up watching world's strongest man and, and Olympic weightlifting. So, um, you know, I'd always admired strength. And so I got really hooked on that. And then my senior year, I, I wasn't allowed to play sports. They have a ruling in Oregon that you can only play one year as an international student. We try to work around it and, um, you know, uh, and get me to play. But the, the, the school uh, recognized me as a U.S., um, you, you know, citizen. Uh, not citizen, but you know, resident, and, and but the school board wouldn't, so uh, the sports board wouldn't. So I ended up uh, lifting uh, in co- competitive powerlifting um, because that was not attached to the school, and then bowling as well. Uh, funny enough, uh, we created a little bowling team, and we did pretty good. We went to state in that. But um, anyway, long story short, when I went into college, um, you know, I, I played World Youth Basketball Tournament. Kind of realized the same thing that my height was, a, you know, detrimental, and I wasn't. You know, it wasn't like I was a spud web or something like that, which just phenomenally fast or anything like that. My defensive skills were good. But on offense, it's hard to shoot when someone, you know, you're, you're 5'11 and the oh, person yeah. you're facing off 6'4 with a, wing, wing, with a huge wingspan. They put the hand up. You can't do much but pass. <laughs> so I knew I was limited. I knew I wasn't probably going to go on. And, and, and I'm, I guess, lucky I've always been able to be a real, realistic. If, if uh, I'll set goals, I'll set big goals, I'll chase them with all I've got. But I'm always able to take a step back and re- evaluate and say, you know, is this realistic? Is it something that um, you know I'm I'm actually going to be able to achieve? And so at that point in time, I realized you know going on to play in college now maybe I could go play for a community college or something like that. But going on from there and turning pro um, was going to be pretty much slim to none. So you know I refocused and I was good at the weightlifting, so I decided to pursue that. Um, and uh, that was the beginning of my powerlifting career. Fast forward ten years. Um, and moved a few times, ended up at Westside Barbell in Columbus, Ohio, which is world-renowned for the strongest gym in the world, um, and uh, trained under Louis Simmons, the coach there. And uh, three years later, after, after training with him, I broke the all-time world record for the squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, yeah, let's, and, okay, let's, let's say that a little slower. You broke the all-time <laughs> world record for what? The squat? For, for the total, which yeah. is the combination of the squat, the bench press and the deadlift movements combined and uh, combined they lifted over 2825 pounds um, so what I, was your squat i just got to know like what was your squat record when i broke the record it was 1140 and then when i finished my career I retired a year later after that i squatted 1200 1205 at that meet and and then retired <laughs> so um, and, you know a lot of people it, it's hard for people to grasp the how heavy that is uh-huh. um, but if you just take the heaviest thing you've lifted up and times it by three or four. That's pro- probably what I was lifting. So no, 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 um, no, no. Okay, no, <laughs> not even, not even close. And I'll tell you why. So I was just making fun of um, 
my friend Drew Canoli, and I think you've met Drew. And uh, Drew's a you know fitness expert as well, like really in sick shape. He's here in San Diego, and uh, he was just posting on his Facebook page about his personal record. Now, first of all, if anybody's seen Drew, really like crazy in shape. And he, I think 495, he just he just squatted, and I think that was his personal best. It may have been 595, but I think it was 495, and he actually threw his back out. But for like that's what impresses me. Like Drew, really powerful guy, 500 pounds. You relifted two and a half times that. So yeah. to kind of give you, a few, it's not oh three or four times as heavy as most people have listed. Yeah, anyway, so, so to go off on that tangent. Yeah, but, so so my biggest squat was 1205, 1205 pounds. My biggest bench press when I when I retired was 910 pounds and my biggest deadlift was 815 and and that's with competitive equipment just for anyone who's familiar with lifting um and so the if you think of it, I was kind of the drag racer of of the strength sport. So, you know, I I could do those three things, but I couldn't pretty do anything else. Um, and I was 320 pounds um, and basically walking that tightrope of death because anyone who's ever gained significant amount of weight or been significantly overweight knows that you're just toying with your health. Um, and, you know, every day is a battle to, to be able to get up and to, to walk. You've got back issues and things like that. And so even though I was incredibly strong and, you know, and the strongest in the world ever at 308, uh, second strongest in the world ever regardless of weight classes. So um, there's only one man who ever outlifted me at the time, and he weighed over 400. So a significant difference there. Um, I got to that break point where I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, I needed to get my health back and to feel alive again. And so uh, fast forward another t- two years, um, I lost over 100 pounds, stepped on a bodybuilding stage um, just to prove to myself that I could do that. Um, and that was earlier this year. And so, um, you know, now I'm, I'm, I, I walk around around 250 pounds. Uh, I'd like to be about 230 um, but uh, my body's comfortable where it is, but you know, I'm still, uh, you know, from 320 to where I am now, it's such a big difference. I feel great. I feel alive. I have all this energy I never had before. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's strange the, the transitions you go through because a lot of people say, you know, Oh, it's amazing. And I, I wish I could do something like that. And I always look at them like, well, of course you can. Um, it just takes that commitment. And I think because I had success early on, I, I'm, I stick to stuff and I'm committed and I, I know what the outcome can bring. So I have that delayed gratification that so many people struggle with. They want quick results. They want quick money. They want, you know, everything tomorrow. Um, and I always kind of can see the bigger vision, can see the end goal and, uh, you know, will suffer through whatever I have to to get to that. So, um, you know, it's it's been a great life lesson along the journey, all the different transitions I've been through. And, you know, now, I'm, you know, through my stories and, and through my coaching and stuff, I, I feel like I'm able to share that and help people hopefully bypass some of the some of the struggles and failures I went through, um, but give them that opportunity to grow um, and have that big vision like we've talked about before. Yeah. So, I mean, if you could simply tell people, myself included, any of us, how to master the um – that the the desire for instant gratification. I mean, there's a there's a fortune to be made in there because I think it's a societal problem. We all want it, and it's usually the one of the number one causes of. Um, I know entrepreneurial failure because you know a lot a lot of people are also sold into the idea of starting their own business and becoming an entrepreneur, especially in the online marketing world. You see a lot of hey, you know jump online, sell stuff and make millions of dollars, work four hours a week and people get into it and they realize, wait a minute, that stuff doesn't happen 
right away. And that instant gratification, the, the lack of instant gratification causes a lot of people to give up and quit. So I think that's number one, amazing that you have that ability to, to put that off. And I'd love to know a, if you have any, if you have any uh, tips or tricks <laughs> in the way that you focus on that instant gratification. The other one is um, kind of going back you when you became uh, when you started powerlifting like earlier on when you were in basketball your goal yeah I want to be in the NBA it wasn't hey, I just want to play basketball or make a living at it you wanted the the top and I believe you told me when you started powerlifting didn't you say you wanted to like was that a goal early on is to have yeah, a world record so I sought out I I don't know where this came from it, it uh, but my as as a kid I always sought out the people have already kind of done what I wanted to do. So when I wanted to come to America, I trained with a lady named Jeannie Asher who had sent players to America before. So like that was, you know, coach number one in essence to get me to the next level. When I began powerlifting, I said, who around here can I train with that knows, you know, how to be stronger? Um, so I wanted to surround myself with stronger guys. Well, it just so happened about an hour and a half away, there was the world record holder in the squat, Brent Mikesell. Brent had taken the squat record from 1,000 pounds to 1,141 pounds. And, and so this guy had broken barrier after barrier after barrier. I knew I needed to be around him. So I would make that hour and a half trip one way, you know, so three-hour trip on uh, twice a week with another coach who I found over at Washington State University. Um, we would go together um, twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, and to learn from him. And when I first walked in, he said to me, what do you want to do? And just, you know, I just said, I want to be like you. I want to be a world record holder. I just, anything I've ever do, and this is, I kind of my philosophy on life is if you're going to do something, why not do it with a hundred percent? Why not give it your all? You know, we've only got one life. So why not live it to, uh, to the fullest? And I think that because of that, like whenever I start a project or start a goal, um, like I don't want to just be average at it or good enough. Now I have the, like, I understand that I may not get to that end point, but I figure what, what's the worst that could happen? I fall short and I'm still awesome, right? I still have lost weight. I've still got strong. I still have a great business, but, but if I set my goal short, which I think a lot of people do, you know, they say, oh, I just, you know, I just want to lose 10 pounds or something. And then if you don't hit the 10 pounds, well, you didn't really get the big results. So I look at it like shoot for the stars, and if you miss, you know, you still are above everybody else normally, um, whereas if you kind of just, you know, sh uh, you know, shoot for across the street, um, once you get there, you just set that next goal, but, but sometimes you never get there because you, by not thinking huge, I feel like you limit your thought process, and so when you think huge, it expands your thought process and now you're open and aware and you seek out things that will help you get to that higher level. Whereas, you know, pretty much you can pick up any book um, if you wanted to lose weight. And I'm just using this as a, I think it's a sub subject most people can refer to, but you can pick up a cookbook or you can pick up, you know, a healthy eating cookbook. A lot of times within a couple of weeks, you can lose the 10 pounds. So because of the difficulty of it, you don't have to think that hard. You don't have to seek out experts. You don't have to surround yourself with people who are uh, going through the process or have gone through the process. Um, you, you know, and so you, again, you limit yourself. Uh, and I think that that's kind of how the, most of the world operates because that's kind of how we're conditioned to operate is, is just do good enough, you know, and it's the same in school when you can get C and C and still pass a class. So you just do good enough and we'll move you on and we'll move you on, you know? Oh, I, I know all too well. And it's actually, you know, to be very honest, that's one of the things I've, 
I consider myself a success. Arguably, I've had a you know a, a lot of success in my life, and um, yet still, I've had a lot of failures. Don't get me wrong, but yet still, the one thing that I think that has held me back from even more is exactly this. It's exactly the my ability to rationalize mediocrity and to say good enough is good enough. You know, some of it stems from, you know, I had a very happy childhood, but I do remember like, for, for instance, my parents, they always supported me, but they never drove me. I actually remember when my, um, my father one time said, listen, hey, listen, you know, no reason to kill yourself over this stuff. Uh, you know, hey, B's and C's, they get degrees. And, um, you know, oftentimes it's the, you know, the, the the guy with the most common sense and street smart who does the best, not the guy with the straight A's. And that's true, but it was always, listen, I mean, it was a, it was the exact opposite of that helicopter parent who's just pressure, pressure, pressure into have to have the most success. However, when it becomes oh, good enough is okay, it's hard to get out of that rut because it's a comfortable rut of being just good enough. And I know in business, um, backing up, I've had to rely on my own ambition and my own drive to uh, achieve even more. And in business, one of my areas of, um, oh, I guess not failure, but the thing that holds me back is I get so immersed in the implementation and having an enormous vision, like I want to be the world record, I want to be the best, 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 it can make the implementation seem daunting, as you know, like, holy crap, that's a really big mountain to climb. So I think a lot of us, and I'm talking about me mainly, end up making our vision fit what we believe we can successfully implement instead of the other way around, which is what you've done, is saying, no, I'm going to have the biggest vision possible, and then I'm going to impl- you know, hire the right people, take the right steps, and use that as that, that guidepost. And I'm, I'm envious of the fact that that is a natural tendency for you. And I think most people are. Um, but you said, when I asked you, what is one of your superpowers in business? Cause you, you do a lot of, co- uh, consulting and coaching, et cetera. Um, and we'll get into that, but you said it's a la- helping people expire. And I'll let you tell me what you said, but kind of expand their vision and pull that out of them and not settle for good enough. Do you want to kind of expand on that? Cause I think it's really poignant and I think it's something in my myself and my listeners can benefit from yeah so the biggest thing for me is like a lot of people and this is kind of if you think about the player in the game right the player in the game doesn't call the shots like the the coach calls the shots but really who calls the shots is the the team owner right they're the ones who give the budget they're the ones who give the okay the the final say so they they're the ones who bring in the coaches if the coach doesn't perform they let them go so the a lot of times people are operating as the player right? Some people move to the, move to the coach as the business owner, but very few ever become the entrepreneur and um, are, are just, you know, the operator. And the thing is, is when you're, when you're in this, when you're in it, it's hard to see the big vision. And so one thing I'm able to see is kind of see what people's brilliance is and see what their unique genius is and figure out kind of what it is that they actually, what their magic actually is, not what they think it is. Because a lot of times people think it's the delivery of a certain thing or it's the um, ability to create a certain way. Um, But that might not be the magic because, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of people who could, if you taught them what to do and they could deliver your information 
exactly as you want them to, just as good as you can, and the, the person on the other end would receive it in the same manner. Um, so the information is not important. Um, you know, maybe the creation is or something like that. But a lot of times people are just, they're just looking at things and they can only see, uh, you know, if they, you can only see so far in front of themselves. And so when I, when I connect with people and when I work with people, what I'm really trying to find out is what is their actual mission? You know, what, what experiences do they want in life? What growth do they want in life? And, and what, what contributions do they want in life? Not what their goals are or what their monetary goals are because all of that stuff are vehicles for the other things. And so once I start to understand, you know, um, those three things, what, what they want to experience in their life, you know, how they want to grow as an individual and what they want to contribute, then you can start to build a vision around that. And where you, be, where you are now is, is usually not where you're going to end up. Um, and so if you can kind of step back and, and you know, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, um, kind of like on Google Maps, right? You can view the whole world and then you can go in and go in and go in all the way down to the street. So I like to back them up and start and just basically take them complete mind shift, take them out of where they are now, kind of, you know, make sure they understand how far they've come. So they're not focused purely on, you know, moving. So they're like they have realistic, man, I've come a long way already. So then they have the belief that they can continue to go a long way and then kind of craft a vision around that. And so, you know, a, a tangible example is kind of a trainer who who just wants to have a successful gym business. Um, but really, when you start talking to them, their contribution is, you know, they want to rid the world of obesity or they want to do these huge things, you know, that, and and so it's OK, like. You can only if you if you own one studio, you're only going to touch X amount of lives. So there's the ability to own multiple studios. There's the ability to take your information online. Um, you can uh, create, uh, you know, uh, basically certifications where you're teaching other people your system. There's so many options for you to basically expand beyond where you're at. But I think that the reason a lot of people don't think beyond their current situation and a lot of times they're just looking at how do I make what I have successful versus you know what's the what's the what's the huge uh, contribution to the world and then how am I going to deliver that and what would that look like is just simply because their reality is limited um, because of their because of who they've been around or what they've experienced so one of the things that I believe the reason I'm able to do that is because I've continuously surrounded myself both athletically but, you know, on the business front with people who have done amazing things that other people didn't think was possible. And what you notice is there is patterns and kind of success codes that are duplicatable. And so when someone is, is only knows what they know, their reality is what it is, that they're not even thinking beyond that. And so when I'm able to come in and just kind of turn their head a different direction, open their um, reality to new possibilities, show them examples of people who have done this, and then reveal the path of the, in which they can take. All they have to do is kind of jump in and, and let it happen and, and, and expand and grow naturally. Um, and that was kind of when I was got into the powerlifting and I started training with Brent, he's a world record holder already. So I just naturally followed his lead you know, it took 10 years to get me to a level where I was, you know, breaking a world record. But along the way, I just followed the lead. And then Brent retired. And that's when I ended up moving and training at Westside because we followed the Westside method. So 
okay, well, if we're following them, I should go learn from the guy that created them. And so you get there and then you learn, a whole, you expand and you learn. And so even though I set out to break the world record, I didn't move to Westside right away, right? I, I, I had a mentor, I learned from him. And then kind of when I needed to move on, it, when it was time to move on, I sought out that next person that could help me move to that next level. And I think that's what, for a lot of business owners, they don't have any mentor in the first place. They're struggling all alone on their own. Um, and, you know, if they're lucky, they have someone who kind of can, can point them in the right direction. But most of the time, um, they outgrow uh, whoever it is and then don't seek that next person. Um, and so they are limited by what they know. And I think that's why so many entrepreneurs are so info heavy. They just want to learn and learn and learn and learn. But they don't implement because they're unsure of how to implement it in their current situation or they're unsure if it's going to work. And so the risk reward, you know, a lot of the times it's if I do this and it doesn't work, I'm going out of business. And so they information gather. But you know, if they had someone to hold their hand, someone who's been through it or someone who, who knows how to build businesses, um, because like I said, there is um, clues and patterns that are duplicatable regardless of what industry you're in. Uh, it makes everything so much easier. And so me knowing what I know, I am removed from the situation. I'm not attached emotionally to anything that's going on. Um, and when I look at it, okay, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but you could take this and imagine if you did this, imagine if you did that. And then you know, now we get to your experiences. We, you can grow you can, and you can contribute. So this is how, how I think it could look. What do you think? And then all of a sudden, now they're thinking in that mindset. And I call it kind of like the childlike mind, like children have the greatest imaginations ever. And I think as adults, we still can access that. But a lot of times we damper them based on our limitations. Children don't have limitations. They don't know any better, right? And so you know, they come up with these crazy ideas as kids and they say crazy things and all this stuff. But if we can get that mindset going, if we can start to think like that, if we can open ourselves up to anything is, is possible, you know, I just, once, once I have the vision, how, now I got to figure out how to make it work, but anything is possible. So if I can suspend my reality and, and have whatever I, I desired, what would it be? And then once you know that, now you can start thinking about, okay, who's going to help me get there? What do I have to do in order to reach that? And I think it's just taking where most people are and just shifting the way they look at it and kind of expanding and opening them up to new ideas and new realities. Yeah, I think you're so spot on. You said so many things that I think people want to go go back and, and take notes about because, I mean, it really is one of the big differences between trying to be successful and being successful. I, I really admire your um, how you sought out the best of the best and said, look, if, if I want the best, I may as well find the best and work with the best because that's the biggest clue <laughs> or the biggest, you know, give me the most probability of getting that. Um, for a long time when I became an entrepreneur, I was that information gatherer. I would read about absolutely everything. Um, I think I actually implemented a decent amount, which is one of the things that, got me successful, but I, I also felt that exact thing that you were saying, which is, um, okay, if I implement this and it doesn't work, I'm out of business. And I, I was cheap in the beginning and that was uh, a mistake. I, I had some money saved up, but I just wouldn't use it. I figured, oh, I don't, I don't need to hire a mentor or a coach. I'll just figure it out on my own. And it wasn't until later I started to have more success, and then uh, I finally felt, okay, I can start to afford mentors and coaches. And from then I saw my business skyrocket simply because 
that's really what works. Uh, so if I, I if I have advice for anybody at, at any level of business, it, it's to do exactly what you did: seek out the best of the best and find a way to work with them. Uh, you know, either apprentice with them, hire them, find a coach, find the best of the best. So speaking of mentors, clients, people you work with, let's talk a little bit about your business and. Um, you know, what you do, as I said, you've been behind the scenes of uh, a lot of really well-known entrepreneurs and you've kind of made the magic happen. They ended up getting a lot of the credit, but a lot of people who know you know that uh, AJ is a brilliant marketing mind, but let's talk about what you're working on now. I mean, you've got your podcast, you work with fitness professionals, you work with, um, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are you doing right now? What's your business look yeah, like? Yeah, so... Now, right, like you said, I, I worked behind the scenes for a long time, and, and what really happened was I was in the fitness industry and with a, a group called the Fitness Consulting Group, and we did very, we were very successful. Um, when I started, it was just one business, and when we finished, when I left them, uh, we were up to I think about twelve uh, businesses, successful businesses, in in, in the fitness industry. Um, you know, serving uh, business to business and business to end user products and and services, and they moved into the franchising. Um, model, and I decided that I wanted to kind of branch out on my own and and start launching other fitness professionals. And so from there, I moved into uh, once you know I I'd done that well, I started getting the attention of internet marketers and successful you know guys in that industry. And so I transitioned over, worked in there for a few years, and always kind of had that love affair with fitness and and anyone that w- who I met through my travels who were you know in the fitness and health niche I was always excited about their businesses and so I just got to that point where I realized that if I if I wanted to merge passion with business then it would have to be with you know uh, fitness and health um, entrepreneurs and so I decided to you know start helping that them and helping studio owners and box owners and and people with online products and things like that and so started consulting with them i i'm running uh, small workshops which i call fitness profit workshop which is a three-day event where we take people through and kind of do the whole uh, vision expansion and then putting in the actual tactical side of it how they're going to make that happen in the next uh 12 months uh and then i have uh my what i'm calling the mastermind groups and uh, we'll have I'll, my ultimate vision with that is to have multiple groups um, that are held uh, around the country by different coaches, you know, coaches who um, I work with and, and they teach my material um, and kind of create this big uh, mastermind group um, that is able to serve people around the country, maybe around the world. Um, and uh, that's fueled by that vision of becoming, moving along what, what I call the fitpreneur journey, but really is the entrepreneurial journey where we go from um, working for someone else to working for ourselves to becoming the business owner to becoming the entrepreneur investor. And so the vision is to take people through that journey to provide courses and, and products and coaching programs along the way so that they can go from that, you know, working for someone else all the way to the entrepreneur investor and kind of experience everything that goes into that along the way and so that at the end there they can contribute they can give back they can expand grow and leave a legacy and that's really what i'm working on now that's fantastic and there's so much in there for people to kind of digest and i know if there's going to be some people who are in the fitness uh and health business listening to this so um some of the people just to kind of recap that uh they can really benefit from from the stuff that you do is uh, everybody from personal trainers who want to make a lot more 
and find a way to just get out of just charging, you know, little hourly sessions into, you know, doing some really high end stuff to, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of these areas, to uh, gym owners, to um, people who own, what, what about people who own supplement businesses? What about people who own, you know, physical products? Do you, do you typically work with them as well or do you t- primarily work with folks who are more working with others? No, no, anyone in the field. So I've, I've worked with a few supplement companies. Uh, you know, obviously, the online digital marketing is really um, what I'm known for. Um, so people with information products and, and things like that, I've, I've had a lot of success with. Um, you know, what I found what's interesting, though, is that a lot of the times those who have information products um, or, or run like a supplement company where, they, where the supplement is the product, you know, um, tend to be more entrepreneurial mindset and they're further along the journey. So the work I do with those guys is usually significantly different than the work with um, fitness business owners solely because the fitness business owner, most of them start out as an employee for somebody else. Someone who has an info product, someone who has a supplement business, typically they are, they, they've learned marketing, they understand marketing. Usually a personal trainer or a fitness coach or someone like that, a lot of the times they've just got certified um, or gone through multiple certifications and they're great at what they do. They have an amazing product and service delivery that they offer. Unfortunately, they don't know how to get in front of people. And so for a lot of time on their front, they're just new, uh, you know, kind of raw to the marketing world. And so the conversations are different. But, um, you know, anyone in, in the field I get excited about because I, I look at it as I am transform the transformers. You know, um, the lives that they touch are a direct result of my ability to help them reach more people. And so I couldn't have the impact and the blue and the thumbprint on the world that I, I want without those guys going out and doing what they do. Um, and so if I can help them expand um, their message and reach more people, that means that I'm having a bigger, I'm casting a bigger web and can have a bigger influence on the, uh, you know, the health and fitness of the world. That's great. And I love the fact that you use the, uh, the phrase transforming the transformers. I actually used that several years ago with uh, a client of mine who was in the fitness business and he was doing you know, he was selling an information product on how to, you know, how to transform your body and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, how to get fit, get healthy. And one of the strategies that he started to do and I start, and then I began helping him was uh, finding those centers of influence that he could transform that were already out there transforming people, whether it was in their health, wealth, relationships, uh, usually these were other gurus and other areas, whether usually it wasn't health, but it was other, um, let's say financial helping people, you know, make money in their business or online, or maybe it was helping people with their relationships and he was reaching out and transforming them and enlisting the, their following and what he was doing for them. So they were getting the benefit of being held accountable to their, to their following the people that they transform at the same time these people were getting to watch him transform them. So it really helped to piggyback upon, you know, the success and helped grow his business to where it is today. But it's really important to, you know, find those leverage points for, uh, for business growth. But I also like how you took it a, a step up or zoomed out the Google map for yourself. And you said, look, if I, if I really want to do have an impact on this planet, I'm not just going to do that by, selling to every single person. I've got to find the people that I can help that are going to help the other people and really get that multiplication effect. So I want to 
drill down to some of the actual strategies that you use with your own business or your own clients that are that are really working. Kind of this is where we bring in home the bacon, so to speak. Like I know that this will by the time we release this, this uh, workshop will be over. But I noticed you just posted this on Facebook today. You're doing an upcoming workshop. Uh, I think this is Black Friday, right? Where you're going to how you're showing people how to ethically steal the online system that took a dead broke trainer on the verge of bankruptcy to earning over 23 grand a month. So this is the kind of stuff that you teach folks. Um, we don't have to talk about that necessarily, but I wanted to frame that around what's really working for you or your clients. What's something that people can go, wow, AJ knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to start with something that seems so obvious, but I think so many people miss and they, we go back to good is good enough. Um, it's a business kind of uh, falsehood or fallacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that the, the majority of people who purchase products, services, don't get results, right? And it's their fault. And so one of the biggest things that I work with with, with the clients that I talk to and, and coach is getting results and getting results not only quicker but long-lasting. And so... Um, a lot of the times it's about up-leveling their service and their service delivery um, to a point that demands um, the results for 100% of their clients. And so, um, you know, the first thing we typically do is restructure what that offer looks like, which in turn changes their mindset on the prices they can charge um, because they know that if they can deliver and guarantee the results – then they're more comfortable charging more. The reason a lot of people are nervous to charge more is because they know that they know that people don't get the results, right? You know, uh, ten clients and only and and only two of them get results. There's that thought process that you know I can't charge more because you know I, I can't justify that. And so the first thing that you know to get them to charge more, which is Typically, my advice to nearly every single person I talk to in any field is, you know, your prices are too cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but a lot of times, the reason that that is, because, and we talked about this at a re- recent meeting, obviously, we were both at, um, but the, a lot of the times is, is that they themselves don't believe the value is there. And so, when, they, when I can shift their mindset on the value they provide and get them to deliver um, or set up ways that so their their clients don't fail with follow up or accountability partners and things like that. Now they can can increase their price. Then it's just simply a case of finding the broken what I call pro- their profit holes um, and and plugging them. And so I'm I'm really big on on tr- tracking and measuring uh, key in the, um, key performance indicators um, and knowing like what the triggers are for each component of your of your funnels or whatever system you're using. And so if you're running at, you know, if you're doing paid traffic to a landing page to a phone call, well, there's different components along the way. You know, your ad in itself has um, the headline, the description, the URL, the image. All of these things can be tested and tweaked and changed to improve performance. And so once once you're up and running, which is where most people fail, most people just don't have anything to sell or they're not they're not running any traffic. They're not, you know, they don't have anything happening. Um, most of their business is just referral-based and they don't even have a referral system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the times it's a case of, okay, first you got to get something going. Then when we have it going, now we can just continue to tweak and, and, and improve it. And I think that that is where most people miss because they'll try something if it works – great 
Uh, they may do it again. Most of the time they don't. But if it doesn't work, they say it doesn't work instead of looking at it and saying, okay, why didn't it work? What do I need to change? And so for me, what's working now is taking, um, is number one is is implementing referral systems. Okay. Um, like I said, most people's number one uh, source is referrals in my industry, um, but they don't have a system for it. So it's looking, how do we implement a system? Uh, what promotions can we do? What contests can we do? Um, you know, can we do thank you campaigns? Uh, how do, you know, uh, bring a friend um, or, you know, uh, share with a friend. Let's talk about, so, let's, let's drill down a little more onto that because I love the referral systems. Um, yeah. Give me, give me an example of one that, uh, and there's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, like you just started rattling off multiple ways. Give me, a, give me an example of a really effective referral system that people could go you know, implement right now. Yeah, so actually what I have a group doing right now is, is holiday promotions. And I, we just did a podcast on this because it is something that I've got my clients doing. But basically around you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, um, people send cards. And so, but not a lot of people send physical cards anymore, um, and uh, especially not a lot of businesses. And so, um, you know, what what I have them doing is sending thank you cards to send, you know, to, to handwritten thank you cards to their customers that thank them for being a customer. Um, it shares with them the gratitude they have that they trust in them to to it, to, tra- to help them transform to help them get results, um, and that you know they wish them the best at this time of year. And then you know a PS at the end that says um, you know I've enclosed some gift cards, and they actually are getting real gift cards printed up with real dollar values on um, that I that I thought you'd like to share with your friends, um, and it's basically a gift card for. Uh, you know, X amount off of, of services or um, of product. So, you know, they're sending each that to their to their clients, their clients at this time of year. Gift cards, uh, I don't know if you know, but gift cards are one of the most gifted uh, gifts mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because people just don't know what to get anyone, so they buy a gift card. And so this is something that they will give to a friend or a family member um, at this time of year. And like I said, usually they're going to give it to someone they know that is looking to get in shape or is wanting to get in shape. Um, and there's your referral. You didn't, they didn't have to just give you their name and their email. And so uh, it's a way, you, first of all, you're thanking them. And it's a legitimate thank you card, you know. Um, and then you, you're just sharing that, that, that uh, holiday cheer um, by giving them gift cards to be able to sh- distrib- distribute among their friends. And so um, that's just one way. And, of course, there's holidays all throughout the year. So this isn't just a Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year promotion. There's it's always just, a reason right, there's, for a promotion. <laughs> there's Valentine's Day, Easter, uh, Mother's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Day. <laughs> Day, Saturday's Day. Like it seems like almost every month there's a major holiday. And then on top of that, there's like all these other random weird holidays that like that depending on what industry you're in, you could easily apply to your business. So if you randomly wanted to do this and there's no holiday around, if you go and Google search, uh, you know, uh, holidays, uh, usually you'll get a list and every single day almost has a different holiday um, that you could kind of play off of and, and joke around with and use and it would be a legitimate excuse, you know, and that's, um, you, you know, anytime you're sending something in the mail that's not, you know, a postcard or something like that, people are going to open, they're going to read, they're going to appreciate um, and then there's it's that re- reciprocity, you know, um, people um, will will then share and, and they, if you've done a lot for them already and gotten them results, um, they'll happily share, you know. Yeah, and it, it, people want to share their success with others, and by making that, you know, giving a reason why there's a discount or a gift card for somebody else, it's a, uh, it can be very powerful. And like you said, a lot of people don't receive physical cards anymore, and they don't receive anything handwritten. And it's uh, the the folks who do it. There's a there's a lot of benefit 
to doing that. Uh, I want to also talk to you about when you said, because I just had a, a talk with a client this last week about this exact same thing, and it worked also in the in the uh, fitness niche about selling from you know folks who really don't realize the value that they bring and. And when it comes to raising prices, a lot of folks think that, well, I can't do it. I, uh, my, my people will leave me, et cetera. And you, you mentioned something that's really important. And this is also a big part of my business that I help my clients with, which is not understanding the real value of the service they provide. So, and if they did, they would charge a lot more because they realize how valuable it is. And I'll start the example. I let you kind of expound on it. And if you have any techniques you want to elaborate on, but, you know, in the fitness business, people come to a trainer to get, you know, they say, oh, well, why, you know, why do your customers hire you? Well, to get fit, but that's not really the reason. That's the surface reason. There's always several layers of reason underneath there, and usually when I'm helping my client understand the value that they're bringing is I just have them continuously ask why and find out the real reason for them coming, um, and then we and then we oftentimes find out that it's much more valuable than just it, you know the surface of getting fit. So how do you help your clients not only discover the value that they bring to their clients, but do it in a way that allows them to dramatically raise the the fees they charge? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's it's funny because I. To, to the and to the clients is okay. There's there's really four areas of improvement that people continuously work on. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness is one of those. The other is obviously financial money. Um, the other is is um, spiritual. You know the, yep. the faith. Um, and then the, the last one is relationships, right? Um, and so typically everyone has one area they're focused on. So I'm guessing the majority of people listening to the show are financially looking for financial boost. But it's not that that. They may be looking for bacon recipes too and then just got sucked into this thing about business. I have no idea. But go ahead. Yeah, and and so 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 they come and this is what they say. But really what it is is what that will get them. So those who are interested in health and fitness, it's what it will get them. Sometimes it will get them a new relationship. Sometimes it will get them a promotion at work because now they'll have the actual confidence to go for that. Sometimes it will get them on – they'll have more confidence to speak in front of people. Sometimes it's to keep up with their kids. And so you have to find out what that that is. But beyond that – it's it's them understanding the ripple effect that goes through generations when they make that improvement. So in the in let's say for health and fitness, if you if you're an obese parent and your child is obese and you figure out how to eat and live healthy, now your child will figure out how to li- live and eat healthy because you can install those habits into that child. Now that child, when they have a family, are going to be healthy, and that's going to go generation after generation. And so it's it's about the ripple effect. How big is the impact that you create? Financially, you know, if you become financially free, if you if you figure out the key to wealth and you figure out financial freedom, think about what you could do for your children so they never have to be in debt, so that they can follow their dreams and create a business, and and how you can educate them, the schools you can send them to, the experiences you can give them as a parent. You know, these are all things that people don't understand. It's a ripple effect, and it goes beyond just you. You know, we can't, they come to us and they're focused on them. That's why they come to us. But when you can shift and they can start to see, and and they call it future pacing, um, you know, when you can put them where they can see the impact that it has, 
Um, now they now it's that delayed gratification because they see the ultimate vision. You can do that with your own clients, and and it really is about figuring out okay what is what is what they're coming to me a vehicle for. If if you really any any coach, regardless of what industry you're in, any coach or any product provider, anyone that helps anyone move from point A to point B. That person is coming to you, and it's they want to improve their life. If we're all life coaches, they want to move along in their journey. And so, what we have to make them understand is we're just a stepping stone in whatever their bigger goal is. And so, if we can get them to see what that is or to understand what that is, because sometimes people really don't know. Like they want to lose weight, and when you start digging it, they start telling you because I'm miserable. I don't like the way I look. I can't go shopping and buy regular clothes. And you just un. And you you discover all this stuff, and they might not have even been thinking about this at that point in time. Um, but that's the magic. That's the key is getting them to see. Okay, so and if this does this for you, how does it? How will this affect your relationships? How will this affect you as a parent? How will this affect you as a as an employer or a business owner? And when you start to see the the dots, you start to realize that ripple effect. And when they understand the ripple effect, now they're they're sold on whatever it is you're selling. You can pretty much charge whatever you want because how do you put a price on that kind of transformation? How do you put a price on you know take you know helping someone who's been overweight their entire life all of a sudden not only get rid of their uh, problems but their rest of their family's problem their grandchildren problem because they're the ones who took that initiative um it, it makes it so impactful so powerful that when you when at the end when you prescribe the solution because that's really what we're doing is prescribing the solution. Um, they trust us because we've led them to that that point where now they're ready to to, to, to actually make a change. Um, and they're, they're not just, you know, price shopping or, or curious. They're actually at a point emotionally um, where they are ready to invest. And whatever you present to them, they, they want. And so even if you present a number, they like let's say you say it's $10,000 um, for personal training, and it may be a, a number that they they never even thought of investing. Their, their their response isn't that they can't. There's no way they want to do it. They don't say no. They just say I I don't think I can afford that. And then you can then you have your other options. But um, at the end of the day, the price you say is is irrelevant because the value of it has already far exceeded whatever it is you say. And and this is used in the industry. You've heard it before. But how what the value of a hamburger. You know, depends on where you go, but ninety nine cents to maybe twenty bucks um, is what you could get out of it. But if you're on an island and you haven't eaten in in, in <laughs> seven days and you discover Priceless. a ham hamburger, you'll pay whatever it is to get that. So it's about positioning and and understanding that um, it's your job to not only figure out what it is they truly desire, but then to see what that that result will trigger and uh, in their entire life, not just in them. Right, and there's so many people. the 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 norm, and I say the norm, but I mean probably like ninety percent of we'll call them trainers. Anybody who sells, in essence, service by the hour, let's just say personal trainers, are so used to selling in packages of they're selling what they do, but they're not selling what the client gets, the results they provide, and thus they're always. Dest or doomed to be selling by you know selling their time by the hour. Okay, well you can buy a package of ten sessions versus no, you're buying you're buying the six pack that you want. You're buying the thirty inch waist that you've been looking for. You're buying this. Well, how much is that worth? Well, it doesn't matter if it takes ten sessions to get or a hundred sessions to get. This is what you're buying. And now, yeah, like you just said, they're focused more on the 
on the result, which has a much bigger value than your time, than their time with you, which isn't that valuable because they, it's not focused on the result. Anyway, I just had a conversation with, with one of my clients, Chris, who's also in the boardroom that you met. And, you know, he immediately started to have results. He called me back and he said, you know, I had a guy come in and I started to do exactly what you said. And, you know, he, he started off slow. He goes, yeah, I didn't get a lot more, but I got, I think it was one and a, no, I think he got twice as much, one and a half to twice as much as he normally would with a client uh, up front though, as opposed to paying monthly, I believe. And just by using these, these words. So he kind of towed in the water, but he noticed it worked because he focused on what result this person was going to get. So I think you're, you're very, very spot on with that. Um, so t- tell me this then, those are, those are, those are some amazing strategies. What is a nut that you're trying to crack right now? Or, you know, what's something else you're trying to achieve that you're looking for, whether it's people, resources, knowledge, help, anything else that you may not have. There's listeners out here who may say, look, I've got either the perfect introduction or the perfect resource or whatever for AJ. So what's a, what's a nut you're trying to crack right now? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, a lot of it is, is replication of myself, like if to, to rapidly expand um, like you, you mentioned earlier, it's about getting out of the minutiae, getting out of the doing of stuff. And so um, building a good team is really something that, um, you know, working with the people I do, most of the times they're solo entrepreneurs or, or maybe a very small team. Um, and so I feel like one of the biggest areas of weakness for me is that ability to to grow, manage um, a, a large team. And, and with my vision I have, I know that's going to have to come to fruit. fruit um, that's going to have to happen in order for me to um, change as many lives as I want to. And so I'd say if I was looking at um, what I feel my biggest weakness is and where I would need the most help moving forward, it definitely would be on building a, building a, a large team without the um, insanity, stress, and um, overwhelm that I've seen with, with some people trying it. Um, and, uh, you know, they're successful to a degree, um, but it seems like it's more trouble than it's worth. You know, when I look at companies like Zappos and Google and places where they not only have phenomenally large um, employee base, um, but they also have amazing um, employee satisfaction, happiness, Great culture, um, culture, all of those things. Um, it's I think for me, it's connecting with the you know those who have done that and and how they've managed to maintain that balance. Um, you know, without it becoming such an without it becoming a pain in the ass, really. <laughs> oh yeah, no, completely. It, nothing. It, that's a one of those things that scares me is the idea of managing just a whole bunch of people. <laughs> but I, I think the key is finding those little leverage points that you can put the right managers in the right places for the team. Is there, is there any, is there any person with a specific skill set you're, you're looking to partner, hire anything like that right now? I mean, maybe there's somebody out there listening. If there's, if there's nothing off the top of your head, that's fine, but. Oh, you know, I'd love someone to do all the technical side of stuff. So I don't ever have to, uh, usually, you know, I'm hiring one person here, one person there, like um, someone who just is not interested in, in being a visionary or a creative thinker. Someone who's just a pure implementer, loves being told exactly what to do and how they want it and can kind of make, 
anything happen on the technical side of stuff. So yeah. I would say for me, that's like, uh, you know, someone who it, that kind of mindset interests me because, um, you know, it's not like, you know, as most entrepreneurs know, you like, it's not that you can't do something. It's just, is, is it, is it best use of your time? Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, you get caught doing things cause you can, um, but it's not necessarily the best use of your time. And so I There's feel a like trade off, right? Yeah. The opportunity yeah. cost of what else could I be doing? Oh, you know, this, this brings something else up. Um, another conversation we had, and I think that, you know, anybody, who has ever thought about outsourcing would really like this or especially anybody who's done it. And you had a really cool concept you were sharing. I I think you and Jenny were both talking about it, how, um, so most folks, especially solo entrepreneurs or small business owners, they start to think, okay, what, what, uh, you know, what can I hire? What business tasks can I delegate? And I know, depending on the size of your business, that can be hard because some stuff you don't really know what needs to be done. You're just kind of figuring it out yourself. And you said something profound, which was start with outsourcing the personal tasks as opposed to the business. Talk about that because I thought that this could actually help people quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest things I've done this year that has just absolutely changed everything for me is start outsourcing like daily life tasks that just uh, can be taken care of other people. So everything from cleaning to cooking to laundry, um, you know, I no longer have to worry about and I'm going to continue to expand upon it um, with a dog walker and all these, all these things. And, and uh, it's not that I won't take my dogs for a walker. It's not that I don't clean, like if, you know, something needs to be done, but it's that I don't have to worry about it getting done. Right. It's the it's the fact that I know it's taken care of um, and I'm not the one having to take care of it. And so that allows me to have more more time to be creative, to think, to plan the business, to take time for myself. Um, so essentially, I'm buying back my free time um, so that it actually can be free um, or, or used in other areas that it needs to be used in. And so, you know, some people enjoy, you know, mowing the yard and and things like that. They 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 use that time to think. That's great. But other people, it's, oh, I got to go mow the, it's like a pain and it causes anxiety because they know it needs to get done, but they don't want to do it. Um, and so, you know, uh, if you, the more you can take care of that, the better. And so that you can just enjoy your daily life and not have to worry about all of these things that, that all of us have to, has to get done, right? You have to get laundry done. Otherwise you don't have any clean clothes, but if someone else can take care of that for you and typically what for most people and most males, they'll typically expect their spouse to do that. Um, but obviously for them, it's not something they want to do either. So when you can remove these things and, and luckily we have the luxury of being able to do that and, and you don't even have to hire someone full time. There's different services like we, like our chef, um, it's a food prep company who makes custom meals. So you give them what you want. That's what they make. Um, but it's not like he's in our kitchen cooking for us and doing the shopping for us. Like, you know, he creates the meals and then delivers them. But, um, you know, so there's options that, you know, you can have a full-time person, but there is options for those of you um, that can't stretch that far um, and uh, want still want to remove some of that stuff. And I think uh, there was an article uh, on Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. Decision the same fatigue. Way. But it's decision fatigue. They basically 
day just so they don't have to think about it. And I feel like the less you have to think about the daily minutia, the things that kind of eat away at you, like, you know, if if the house is dirty, like if there's, um, you know, the kitchen is dirty and there's laundry piling up and all like someone has to do it. And it kind of, you know, the decision of when and, you know, who and all this stuff, it kind of builds on you and then finally you snap and do it yourself possibly um or it doesn't get done and then it's there and it's there and it's just it's just looming over you um when you when you eradicate that man it's so nice and it, and i think it's kind of the whole uh, minimalistic movement that a lot of people are, are going through it's the same thing just removing decisions removing clutter removing those looming things um that take up so much of our time and it gives you it, it buys you so much free time um to to use for the business to use for family time for relationships um you know you can really delegate it where into areas that really need it in your life yeah and it was really a profound moment for me because i think that most folks try to they think well i'll hire the the nanny the chef the you know, the, the personal laundry, this, that, and the other, I have to be really wealthy in order to do that. Like that's the last thing they consider doing and they put all of their efforts on their business, but they don't take into account that concept of decision fatigue. I know Tim Ferriss just did a podcast episode on it and I I read the exact same article about why, you know, why do some entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs wear the exact same outfit every day. So they just don't have to think about that. And I noticed that in my own life that the more decisions I have to make, the more personal stuff that's taxing me, the the less creative and the less able to make the decisions I am in uh, in my business. And it was really uh, it was really powerful because, like you said, I don't want to mow. I don't have a lawn at the moment, but I don't take solace in mowing the lawn and cleaning. That's not where I get my, you know, where I recharge. I recharge personally from either going out, maybe going to the gym or, or just sometimes just sitting on the couch and doing nothing and just letting my brain not work. And, but if I have to come home, if I have to do, like, I actually have to do laundry today and it's, I really don't want to. I'm wishing that I had somebody in my house. Although I do have somebody cleaning my place today, they're not doing my laundry. It taxes me. And I think that folks who are thinking about outsourcing and just don't really know what to do in their business. If you just go do it, do it in your personal life first because you know what needs to be done there. Um, you, you'll you'll find how well that works, how much money more money you make. So anyway, I, I wanted to bring that up because I really thought when we talked that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad you did. It was yeah, a big you, shift for me this year too. Yeah, you know there was a so my my partner Kent Clothier in who you know he had a he had a a, a shift with this with his wife because they have a you know they have a daughter. And now they have a, you know, like a 10-year-old daughter. Now they have like a a one-year-old. And his wife does not work from, you know, she does not have a job. She just takes care of the the kids. Well, they were going to hire a a more full-time nanny for, I think it was like $15 an hour or something, just so that his wife could go out and do other stuff or so she could just sit around the house with Kent and just spend quality time. And she initially started to give blowback, even though they have a lot of money there. She was given a blowback. Like I don't need to hire I I don't need to hire a nanny. That's a waste of money. Spending $15 an hour. I can do this. And Kent had a great reframe and I'll never forget it. And he said, I'm not, I'm not paying her $15 an hour for her time. I'm buying an hour of your time. My wife 
for $15 an hour. Do you think the time that our time together is worth more than $15 an hour? She said, of course. He goes, good. I'm buying your time for that. That's the price. I'm willing to spend a lot more so that you can have sanity. We can have sanity together. Um, and that simple mind shift change of it's not that you're paying X for that. You're paying X for this. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. Yeah, I think that's. I think uh, for anyone who is a solo entrepreneur listening, I think the biggest thing is that first hire. And a lot of times we we we've tried to hire people and it, and it's it doesn't work. Well, if you are a solo entrepreneur and you know the reason your your hiring of people doesn't work is because you can just do it quicker yourself and, and you're frustrated with trying to delegate and stuff like that, then tr- try this technique. Outsource everything else in your personal life and now see how you are and if you actually need someone else in the business. At some point, you probably will, but I, I guarantee you, you'll probably eliminate a lot of the daily stress, a lot of the daily overwhelm simply by doing that because all you have to do is now focus. And as you will know, if you're focused and working, um, you buy yourself a lot more hours. Absolutely. Well, AJ, I really appreciate your time on the call today. You have definitely shared some sizzling hot Business advice guaranteed to make these folks fat profits, even though that's kind of a maybe we'll say guaranteed to make them fit profits. Love <laughs> <laughs> it. Um, it's it's been fantastic. Obviously, we're friends. We talk a decent amount. We're in the boardroom. Anything I I can ever do for you, I uh, you know you've always got me here at your back. One of the things that I may tap into um, into your mental. Uh, or to network, or at least your Rolodex, something you can help me with. And I want the audience to hear this as well, because it's a new uh, thing that I'm working on, is I'm looking for other businesses, and especially primarily experts, people with great intellectual property, expertise in health, wellness, fitness, etc., especially those who are doing something innovative and unique, and who have a lot of value to offer. Because I'm, number one, making introductions to Dr. Daniel Amen, who some people may know is a, um, he's, he's one of the foremost experts on brain health. And uh, he's been on, you know, PBS specials and everything else. And I'm helping to make introductions for interviews and, and um, co-creation of, of content there. It could be very high profile, but I'm looking for folks in that area, as well as other businesses who are in the health, wellness area. Ideally, this is not, these are not hard, fast rules, but are ideally doing a million dollars, probably a million to $20 million a year in revenue with a product or service or information product. It doesn't really matter at this moment, at this moment, but are looking to increase their business by strategically align, aligning themselves with other companies that, um, that, that can help a rising tide lift all boats so to speak. So I've got a very unique strategy that I'm working on there as well as with um, making these introductions to you know, a world-famous health expert. So AJ, anybody that you know we can talk offline about this, uh, that would be fantastic. And anybody listening, send me an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com if you or anybody you know fits these criteria. Um, We are wrapping up now, but I want to encourage each and every one of you to go check out AJ's site, ajroberts.com. Go check out the the Fitpreneurs uh, podcast. And AJ, what's the the website on that? How do they get there? 
Thefitpreneurs.com. Okay. <laughs> so I may, just making sure I didn't have it up, but it's the F I T P R E N E U R S dot com. Go subscribe on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, if you're listening to this on uh, my blog or anywhere else, you can always subscribe, which I recommend on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can get every single episode. You can listen to them and download them. You can also sign up for my newsletter and get a lot of bonuses that other folks don't get. AJ, thank you very much for joining me on the program today, and I look forward to sharing it with everybody and getting the feedback and and you know watching both of our businesses continue to grow. My pleasure. Thanks, Brad. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs>